Hey, good day. Once again, as you hear the sound of Ain't No Stopping Us Now, it's your brother, your friend, hopefully one of your favorite guides on this show, Pastor Winston, and I'm here with another exciting, interesting segment of the A-Game. Today, of course, every day I say it's super special, but it's really super special today. I'm going to do a thing. I'm going to call this segment The Family Affair. Because with me, I've got my dad, my mom, and your very own Shandu, you know, the poet that doesn't know it. And we're going to just chat a little bit today and talk a little bit about what it's like for us individually to participate in life and play an A-game while we're at it. So I'll get things started off right here by just saying hello to everybody. Hello, Dad. Hey, Mom. Hey, brother. (laughs) And uh, so one of the reasons for this segment I came across a couple of weeks ago, I had said that I wanted to uh, do a segment on Mom, but it's going to be like three or four parts. And so I think I'll have to arrange that later. But I'm going to take the opportunity while the three of us are here in sunny... Stone Mountain, Georgia, and uh, we're going to just talk a little bit about each other's A-game. So A-game stands for, well, let me start like this. The A means priority. The G means goals. The A means the actions that you have to take in order to accomplish your goals. The M is the mentality that you have to have in order to take the proper actions so that you continue to keep your goals prioritized. And I remember when I got ready to put this acronym together, the E was going to stand for excellent. And something came on my heart and said, let that E stand for excuses. Yes, those excuses that can get right in the way and talk you right out of your own A-game. So with that in mind, I'm going to start with the lady of the house first and say, Mom, uh, tell us a little bit about how your experience in anything that you feel would point us to understanding where you see you had to play your A-game. Well, I never knew about the A-game, but obviously I was playing it without (laughs) knowing it. So um, having... Having to raise children, uh, you play a lot of games, whether they're uh, all the alphabets or numbers. Mm -hmm. And so what I've been doing through the years is um, following their lead. Each individual individual child is different. Mm -hmm. And so whatever they give me to play with is what I use to correct them. So what, what was it like? I, m- I remember you had started going to school um, training for your social work certification. Mm-hmm. And h- what was that like? That was tough. Prior to that, I had gone to several different training programs. And I ended up um, deciding that instead of me taking a three-month training program here and another six-month over there, I might go and just do one one year or one two year and and that was it mm-hmm. so I got the opportunity to go to uh, the College of New Rochelle and there was a bachelor's program there and I did that got a bachelor of liberal liberal arts that's mm-hmm. in the 80s mm-hmm. and I loved it education was tough the courses were different because um I had never gone that far before but I loved it and um my intent at the time was nursing. I love people and I love caring for them, but I took a course 
one of my classes was social work. And I fell in love with that. Mm. And I realized in the interim that that was more me than nursing. Okay. And so I continued after I finished my LA, I did, um, I went to Fordham University, was accepted and got um, my master's degree in social work. All right. Now, prior to, to going to school here, what was your education level? I would call it uh, maybe a eighth grade. Right, because you went to school. Been, you went to school in the islands. I went to school in the islands. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I was about sixteen when, um, due to the financial situations, I could not go further. Mm -hmm. So the the customary thing is. If you can't pay to go to high school, your parents had uh, young ladies that were trained in um, doing handiwork, homework, and and, and um, sewing stuff, yeah. and baking and all of that. Which uh, baking uh, and housekeeping started from the time you can crawl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you, you follow. <laughs> and for the young men, they would send them to learn carpentry, tailoring, something of that sort. The idea is that you would be productive. One way or the other. Yes. Well, that's good. Proper preparation prior to presentation prevents poor performance, period, right? Something like that. Something, <laughs> Something like that. I'm not going to ask you to say that three times fast. But, Dad, <laughs> so, so you migrated here, too, from the islands, right? Yeah, what what year. year was that? I migrated here on the 1st of September. Wow. That's the day I always remember. <laughs> 1987. 1987. To find my beloved bride. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Trinidad. It, it, it's so small that they had a little island here called Tobago. <laughs> and I'm grateful that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I met my wife, I, my childhood sweetheart. We wow. grew up together. And to come around full circle and... Uh... Me. And and how long have you guys been married now? I should know. Thirty years. Well, nineteen eighty-eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. thirty-three, thirty-four years. Wow. wow. Funny how time flies. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. But how were things like for you as far as work and education um, before you uh, came here and when you got well, here? Well, I, I never went to high school. Mm -hmm. But by a game, my a game. With football, okay, which they call soccer, mm -hmm. you know, because football is you play with your, you play with your feet, right? You know, up here I come, football is your hands. This is with your hands, yeah. So anyhow, but I took, I thank God, mm -hmm. I'm still here in the land of the living. Amen. That's and good. I'm enjoying every bit of it. Every day that comes no matter the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, the corona. Mm -hmm. Not be the oxymoron, yeah, Omicron, yeah, Omicron, that's the, the one. MBA, <laughs> I don't know what's coming, uh huh. But I'm here, all right, that's cool. So, my, my brother Sean Do, um, we came down this weekend to uh partake in something saddening and could be happy at the same time with our um brother that passed away. Um, and well, he is like our brother. 
and we came to do his funeral. But how's things been going since, um, like for you and, and some of the challenges? I remember um, the interview that I did with you, you kind of had said, you know, I don't want to go down to Georgia. New York's my home. I want to stay here. And, uh, you know, I've built a lot here and don't want to just be like ripped away from it. So how does uh, being there in the family, most of the family down here, not only you and I there, how does that is, or does it in any way affect your A-game? Well, to be honest with you, it, um, my decision to stay was well-founded, I find, um, for the pace that I that I crave is in the city. Mm -hmm. And um, I've made the necessary adjustments that mm -hmm. um, would require it to be more beneficial to me and healthy at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I did not really have to double my efforts to remain there. I just had to reconfigure some things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's beneficial to me. I'm happy still there. Um, mm -hmm. My heart is in Georgia where my family is, mm -hmm. but my um, productive self is still doing Brooklyn strong. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm very contented there. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So, Ma, tell me about a time in your life when you thought you wasn't going to make it, but you did. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we would to, Nate, the light stuff is finished. Now let's get uh, in. Yeah, let's get to the yeah. meat of some well, stuff. <laughs> I was born in the Caribbean. And there are a lot of opportunities there, if you can, at the time, if you can afford them. Um, I'm from, uh, what I would say, meager beginnings. Mm -hmm. And I was raised by my grandmother. And she, I, as I got older, I learned to appreciate her more. I think I appreciated her more she passed than at the time growing up. Because when you're growing up, um, you don't see the things, you don't see the sacrifices, you don't see anything. You just know you get up, you got something to eat, and the tradition was whatever I give you to eat, mm -hmm. you eat it, and you say thank God. Mm -hmm. And that was it. You didn't ask for what you didn't see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so growing up that way, you, you learn contentment at an early age. Okay. And so that's, that's where I'm coming from. And uh, at the age of, um, I would say... 15, um, life started making some turns for me. Um, didn't start out to be the best thing, but it turned out to be the best thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had a, my, my first one at a very early age. And um, of course, being at my, my grandmother, it, it was the norm in our part of town. You know, that, that uh, like you're a stepping stone into adulthood, although as long as you were under your parents' roof, you're still the child. Mm -hmm. And so that's where um, it began, you know. But having this firstborn became the catalyst for change for me. Um, about um, a year after that, his dad and I got married. And the next step, the next couple of years, um, found us traveling into Europe and ending up in the United States. Mm -hmm. And being in the United States, um, first time uh, exposure, well, my first exposure to the, the elements, which is the seasons, was in Germany. And coming to New York was a big change. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I took a long time to get adjusted but um, 
in the meantime, life kept going on because I started having other children. And so my life settled into what I was raised to do, keep house, take care of the kids, um, be obedient to my husband, and be submissive in a sense, which all this was natural at the time. Mm -hmm. I did not know anything else. Mm -hmm. So being being that first one that you're talking about, I did get to get some first hands look at some of the struggles um, that you had, especially emotionally, um, being that sometimes, you know, um, dad would not have the best attitude for someone to be who took care of and loved and cared for the family, I guess in his own way, that's what he was doing. But there were some years of turmoil and pain. You don't have to be specific about it, but do you, do, can you remember when um, you decided that enough was enough as far as some of the um, different ways that you were being treated and the how did it feel like those years when you said, okay, enough is enough, and we went from being under dad's roof to the life that led us, I call those our um, garbage bag years as we move from place <laughs> to place with uh, all our things in garbage bag. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that's very important to see that, you know, you open up with you in Trinidad, and then you're laid with the MSW, but that took something in between mm -hmm. to get there. You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, um, <laughs> I will try. Okay. Okay. Um, like I said, I got to the point where I'm here, I'm raising kids. I had my firstborn and second. I ended up having uh, roughly six children. Um, I think within four or five years of being here with my husband, he started, his pattern of behavior changed. I had absolutely, well, I wouldn't say at the time, I didn't know it, but there were signs, there were problems, but I didn't, wasn't educated or um, raised in enough awareness to recognize that there were problems. Anyway, um, somewhere along the line, within a few years, of, I would say seven, six, seven years of marriage, he started to drink a lot, mm -hmm. drink a lot. It started, he would drink at home and then he would go to sleep. But then it extended to outside with friends coming in drunk. And of course, with his drunkenness came battering. And I found myself a battered wife. I didn't know the term the domestic violence. Uh, it was in the 60s. And it progressed to a point where it was detrimental to myself and to the children because not only was I a battered wife, um, the children were um, living in fear. He was very, 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 very strict, military type kind of strictness. And all the time this was going on, I was, I wouldn't say happily unaware. I was unhappily uh, unaware mm -hmm. without actually realizing, knowing that something is wrong, but trying to stick to my upbringing and um, thinking that it was my fault. So I would try to cook better. I would try to be more, uh, you know, progressive in the sense of um, 
uh, romantic or, or, or preparing myself better. It was like it was something I was doing wrong mm -hmm. and was causing this. And um, it, it came out of hand, it got out of hand. It got terribly out of hand. And I took that for, for good over 10 years. And one day, I don't remember exactly which straw that broke the camel's back. But one day, I realized that enough is enough. You know, those were the days when if um, your battered wife and you call the cops and it's a weekend, they would um, talk to the man and talk to you and give you a paper to go to family court on Monday. Mm -hmm. A lot can happen between Friday and Monday. Mm -hmm. And but for the grace of God, a lot that happened, as you can hear my voice, I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. You know, not, not really aware of the particular danger of what that is. So I would go to family court on Monday and um, we would have a hearing and the process, you know, but you ended up back home because there was nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. You ended up back home. And for a few weeks, things would be calm until it started all over again. So that was the cycle. What I learned uh, became the cycle of battering, the cycle of abuse. And I, I lived with it. I lived with it. And in the meantime, the children are growing, children are being born. And there is no change. It's only worse. So what would you say was your greatest catalyst for getting the strength um, or what was your, you know, there's there's a lot of fear in stepping out on your own, whether you're stepping out as a as a child that's grown up and you're about to take your first, you know, step out to work and take care of yourself. For you, it was leaving um, the house and raising the kids. Where'd you find the strength to be able to deal with the fears, the doubts, the insecurities? Where'd, where'd that strength come from? To be honest, I don't know. But what I do know that, gave me the uh, whatever that is to leave i was out one day and um i came home and my children were in the basement of the house we, we lived in our own home and the children were in the basement and the door was locked while my husband was upstairs in his bedroom with a friend i would just put it like that and doors were locked and coming in the house and hearing my children in the basement calling him that gave me a fear and i started to think what if there's a fire my children are locked in the basement and if there's a fire i would leave my children i opened the door got them out and for some reason which i have I have to say by the grace of God, because I have no other explanation. I said to myself, this is it. This is it. As a matter of fact, the night before, um, I, I, I was beaten and all of that. So I had, I had fear, but I found a resolve that I did not know. I got me some bags and I said, that was it. I'm getting out of here. And I put all my children's stuff and my stuff in those bags. By then, while I was doing that, 
by then hearing all the noise he of course he got up and him and his friend left and that gave me the opportunity to swiftly put all, everything I needed in the bag and got out of there now I had a neighbor across the street from where I lived because I wasn't allowed to have friends I wasn't allowed to have friends I wasn't allowed to go anywhere by myself anywhere I went that was like it was timed whether I took the kids or not you know there was all of that going on there was such um, superstitions of um, supposing um, being called names and um, I'm always doing something that I didn't even know but anyway I went across the street to a neighbor I had and I asked her if she could let me stay me and the kids stay with her for a minute and she uh, her husband wasn't home at the time but she says okay I explained what's going on and I went there of course we lived in a neighborhood where he was respected like through fear he was I mean no he had no friends in the neighborhood everybody knew him and they stayed away from him because he had a temper you know so I remember the woman's husband coming home and saying um, he's feeling I feel sorry for you um, I'm not gonna put you out but I'm telling you if he ever comes over here there's gonna be plenty of trouble and I don't want that you know so in the meantime I'm there with my kids and peeking through I remember the basement the basement had a small window and I would peek through it and see the house seen coming and going and we were there for about a week and I got in touch with another friend and asked her if I could stay with her and she said yes and that's how we kept moving and that's how that, that began <laughs> that began my instability mm -hmm. of living because I kept moving Mm -hmm. And I would say this on his behalf. He never stalked me. Mm -hmm. I guess he always knew where I was. But I didn't have that fear of him stalking me. Right. Or him showing up on my doorstep. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. But my fear was, now that I have these children, where do I go from here? I had no education. I mean, I can talk about babies. I can talk about food. I can... Talk about how to clean the house and all the, the different things that we read about now the, of using things to, to clean this and to take stains out. I could go down the list of that. Mm -hmm. But how do I raise these kids? I've never raised children on my own. Mm -hmm. I've never supported children on my own. Where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. So where did God come in? He was always there um, because I was raised in a Christian home. My grandmother was a Christian woman. But he wasn't relative to me then. He was God, yeah, and I would learn. I learned that I can pray to Him and I can trust Him, but He wasn't like material to me, you know. You know, you would say you stomp your foot and you would say, "Oh God," without ever realizing that <laughs> God is a it, it's a person, it's a deity. So that was it for me. Um, I prayed, but. Just because I was taught to pray as a child. Mm -hmm. He was never real substance then to me. And so while I was far from him, I found out that he was very near to me. Because he never left us. I stayed with my friend. Um, met some difficulties there. But at least my goal was I had my children. Mm -hmm. 
and I had this, I, I, I had always had this protectiveness for them, but I find it developed more. I would do anything possible to protect my children. And so whatever, whatever that meant, I was willing to do it. I said, there are two things I will not do. I will not prostitute myself and I won't beg. I'll do anything else to take care of my children. And so I stayed with my friend for a while. There were some difficulties there because um, at the time I didn't know that there was a lot of drugs <laughs> selling and buying and everything going on. Um, I stayed in, again, another basement. Seemed like I become the basement family. Mm -hmm. I would move from one basement to the next. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm there, and a, an apartment became available right next door, and I got that apartment. Um, somewhere along the line, I had gotten a job. I was working as a matron of a on a school bus, and I was working, and so I was able to pay the rent for a while. Mm -hmm. And I moved there. Cool. But I'm still the wife. I'm still, my mind is at home. I'm worried because I don't know how to take care of these children. They're not babies anymore. They're growing up. My two older sons are becoming, you know, they were um, 10, 11 years old. And I was lost. I would put them to bed at night and I would sit and cry because I didn't know what to do. I would go to work and work, and my, my, um, my grace period between um, dropping off the kids and picking them up, I would cry because I didn't know what to do. My neighbor, however, across the street from me, she was a godsend because I would remember taking the kids early in the morning, we'd get up about four o'clock, and I would take them down to her and she, because her kids and my kids went to the same school, I would take them to her, and she would take care of them. I go to work. I would come back. I would pick them up and take them back home, fix whatever I had, and wait until the next day. Cool. So to the listening audience, what would you say as far as three tips or two tips to for anyone that's trying to uh, move forward through um, anything that could be hindering them, whether it's something like uh, domestic um, violence, whether it's through um, lack of, of job skills, you know, all of those things, parenting, you know, not knowing, you know, really how, like nobody does, even though they write a lot of books about it, but that still doesn't teach you how to parent. Um, dealing with your fears, you know, what, what was the substance um, of your A game, you know, what, what would you say to them if they find themselves in a situation to, to uh, give them, well, what can they grab a hold of or, or get to uh, support them? What I would say is to get educated. Mm -hmm. And I'm not only talking about formal education and getting degrees. Get educated in your, of yourself. Get to know who you are. Get to know what your surrounding is. Get to know what support systems there are. Because I didn't know that there were a lot of support systems at the time. But what you don't know can hurt you. I found that out. Mm -hmm. So I would say become aware. 
become aware in today's um in, in, in today's atmosphere there is a lot more available than in the 60s mm -hmm. you know so my first thing is to be know who you are become aware of yourself become aware of what's available to you and use you can use the least steps to climb until you reach where you would want to become where, where, where you should go you might not get where you want to go but at least you would know that you are on the way. All right. That, that is very, 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 very deep. Um, you know, in search of self, trying to find that inner drive to uh, keep you moving forward, um, looking up for God, but looking down at your feet and saying, feet, you got to move. You know, got to <laughs> hit my brain before he hits my feet. So I got to make some kind of movement. So, um, Dad and, and, and Shandu, any last parting kind of, words of advice or anything that you'd like the listening audience to know. Um, we've got about one minute left before we have to wrap up this segment. Well, I would just like to make a sidebar to what our mother said. She did leave out the fact that in the travel going back and forth to take us to those uh, neighbors' houses and to go to work, there was no motor vehicles involved. Everything took steps. We walked with her at her side. She held our hands mm -hmm. until we got big enough to walk ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why that support system up to this day is so very valuable. Cool. And Ed, anything? Well, I just, I'm just glad. I'm just glad I'm here with your mom, mm -hmm. my wife. Mm -hmm. It's been three years right now. Yeah. As I see so far. So <laughs> <laughs> you all have respect for me. Mm-hmm. You call me daddy, mm -hmm. I call you son, mm -hmm. and you have to do the, the ins and betweens, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm just proud of you all, Amen. Between, we have nine children, mm -hmm. between nine us, for all of them, for every one of them. Amen, that's great, amen. Well, it looks like we have come to that place where I hate the most, but also love, because that means that I'll be able to start another segment soon, so... As you know, when this music starts, it's time for us to start wrapping up another segment of the A-Game. And I want to thank my mom, my dad, and my brother. Um, we're down here in sunny Georgia, and uh, we made another episode of the A-Game happen. So <laughs> we'll be back again. Remember what I always tell you. Be blessed how? Intentionally. Be blessed on purpose. Live like a person that is full of blessing because the Lord has blessed us this day. Let's praise him. Let's continue to focus on our A-game and get help along the way. I thank you all for listening. Eddie, always got to shout you out. Thank you for this platform. It's a wonderful platform. It helps me to get uh, to share everything that's on my heart with your listening, our listening audience, which is growing phenomenally too. Don't forget you can also check out the A-game on Spotify now. And with that, stay tuned next week. By God's grace, we get together and we do it all over again. Remember, ain't no stopping us now. And it does get better.